0: Hi, Stephen. You have a call today with Philippe. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of my podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, my guest is Philippe Roege. And Philippe is at this moment general manager of Microsoft in Central and Eastern Europe. Before that, uh, Philippe was uh, Chief Operating Officer, COO of Microsoft in China. Before that, he was the CEO of Microsoft Belgium. And before he joined Microsoft, he has a career at companies like Proximus. So he has seen the world, he has traveled the world, worked for one of the largest tech companies in the world. So I'm very honored, Philippe, that you are willing to take some time for this interview.
1: Always a pleasure to talk to you, Stephen. <laughs>
0: um, how is life in uh, in Germany at this moment, Philippe? That's where you live, right?
1: Yes, that's where I live now. I think life in Germany is a little bit like uh, life wherever you are. Uh, it's, the <laughs> four, it's the same four. It's the same walls. Uh, whatever happens outside, we try to stay clear uh, of of any trouble. And I think this is, uh, you know, this crisis in in some ways the great equalizer, if yeah. you will. Wherever you are, whatever you do, you're looking at the same four walls, and, uh, and you connect over technology, and you, you, know, you, you try to make plans for tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how more than 1 billion people right now are you know, forced to use technology for entertainment, information, communication for their, for their work. I can imagine that you guys at Microsoft, I mean, you guys are like first-row witnesses of how technology is booming right now is that is that something that you see like how people are using teams more how people are using shared documents more can you can you share some experiences or insights about that sure
1: and look i think we've we've been uh, we've been fairly uh, fairly public about this we have had to expand the capacity of our teams platform which is our professional um, collaboration platform, uh, which sort of replaced the old Skype for Business tools that we had, or or Link, as it's become known before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we've we've increased that capacity by a factor of sixty six zero uh, in essentially the space of uh, five six weeks. So, wow! Uh, I think that is a testament not only to the um, to the demand surge, which is pretty obvious. We all understand why that's the case, but I think it's mm-hmm. also it's also a testament to. Uh, the of course our engineering teams who have done a fantastic job, but also to the sort of the cloud architecture and the elasticity that this new uh, architecture allows to basically absorb peaks and to basically quickly provision uh, new computing uh, technology when when demand is there. So it's been a it's been a very a very interesting, somewhat stressful uh, period, uh, not in the least for our customers. Uh, yeah. or, or those who are now you know benefiting or trying out our, our free offerings which we've put in the market to, to try and help as many as we can, but also yeah. for our, our own teams and our own people to obviously come to terms with you know growth rates in, this, in the in the high hundreds or even the thousands of percentage, depending on the geography you look at. Uh, yeah. I think in Indi- uh, sorry in Italy uh, at the height of the crisis when the lockdown started, I think we saw a jump of eight hundred percent of usage. And so, you know, being able to cope with that obviously is uh, is is uh, is an engineering feat in itself. Yeah. And yeah, you know, correct. we 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 obviously run a number of critical systems and, and we're trying to make sure that we continue to be sort of the, the digital first responders to the real first responders. Um but um you know, however busy we are, we're we're also obviously, you know, deeply deeply I think impacted by whatever happens in the real world. Yeah. and in our communities and, and trying to keep our people safe and making sure that uh, we can contribute a little bit to um, this pretty dire situation.
0: It must have been crazy times for you. I can imagine that many of your salespeople and evangelists try to convince companies to work more remote and to, to be more flexible towards their workforce. And now from one week to another, the entire world is forced to use all these tools. Do you see differences in methods that companies use i mean everyone can be using teams but do you feel that some companies are already more mature in it and use it in a smarter way than, than others do you see differences there
1: yeah i, I do and i think uh, obviously you know uh, having probably you know been one of the pioneers in in this in this in this technology i mean you could obviously you know you could go back 10 years and think about when we started uh experimenting and then mainstreaming if you will you know remote collaboration which we've obviously as microsoft as as a company ourselves been been doing for over a decade now but and and you can go back you know even further uh before, before obviously when you think about the contributions of some of the technology that that was there I think today um, many of these, let's say, first-time users, if you will, of of remote work are still what I would call at the you know they're at the basic level, which is they're using they're using the tools, they're using the technology in a fairly sort of old-school. They haven't reinvented their business process. They're simply switching on a camera so they can see who they're talking to, and you know it's 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 obviously a step above uh, the phone call and the conference call. Um, it brings, you know, obviously some value when you think about education scenarios. When you think about, you know, work scenarios, uh, it's obviously great. Um, and I think the the next steps now is is, and that's really what we're spending a lot of time and energy on this, how do you make sure that you actually uh, show uh, users of this technology that this also enables another way. And so, how do you move from, you know, the use of video conferencing? to actually to actual remote collaboration and that is a that's a culture change that's a process change, all on the same tool set but i think it's it's sort of a a further maturing of how you work with these tools how you deal with your employees how they work amongst each other um, what rules you need to set what freedoms you need to give how you shift how you shift the balance from the old school sort of input-based model of dealing with employees, which is, hey, I see you, you're sitting in the office, so you must be productive, you must be doing a good thing, mm-hmm. to an output-based one where you give them much more freedom, you give them an outcome to achieve and some guardrails to not go outside of, like obviously, you know, the, the policies and, and and sort of the values of how we interact, but you give them the freedom to get to the end result in, in the way that they seem best. And so yeah there's a, there's a long way to go but I think we've gone through that journey and I'm sure we can uh, we can contribute to other employers and other you know groups of people collaborating going to the same
0: and what, what are your expectations um, once the the lockdown period is is over and in a few months people can go back to their office um, my feeling is that people will be happy that they will see other humans uh, again but what do you think this this crisis will do with with this whole evolution? Do you think we're going to scale back again? Do you think this is going to be the start of a new era of collaboration? What, what what do you guys think at Microsoft or what's your opinion?
1: Well, I th- I think um the I think the sad, the sad reality is that whatever happened now wasn't described in anybody's business continuity plans. No. And I think uh, you know, even if we get out, I think we're all going to be making plans for what if there's another surge of, of of the virus. And so, I think people are going to probably use the time that they have in the next couple of months, hopefully weeks, when things loosen up a little bit, to mm-hmm. probably solidify, uh, you know, the 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 work that was done over the last couple of weeks, because I think people will want to be ready for you know the what if scenario. You know, right. before we get a vaccine, and so I I, I do expect this to uh, continue. Mm-hmm. Um, will it fundamentally change? You know, the length of um, of the traffic jams from people you know driving to the office yeah. in the morning. Will yeah. it have that environmental impact in a sustainable way on on you know people needing to be in the office over time? I think it will, but I think that is you know that's sort of the ultimate step. That's when you get into you know, you need to change labor law, you need to make new amendments to, uh, to employment contracts, all the stuff that we've gone through basically ourselves as, as a company,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you need to convince governments. I think obviously there's going to be much more openness to consider this because there's this new element that entered into play. But I think the end game is still, you know, several years away from, uh, from where okay. we are today.
0: Yeah, well, on, on the one hand, it's sad that uh, imagine that we can all go back to the office, that we're going to be stuck in traffic jams again. Maybe we'll, we're going to be happy and excited that we're back in a traffic jam for a day. But, you <laughs> know, at the, at the same time now, so many companies that were against working from home now had no other choice, and they probably will see that their employees are actually doing a good job. We now see that virtual meetings work. We also see that, at least that's my opinion, for some kind of meetings virtual meetings do not work you sometimes oh. need real life energy transfers and and that's also important but it would be a shame that we're not reorganizing ourselves and that everyone just leaves the house at 6:30 uh, in the morning and comes back at 6 in the evening and not spreading i mean all those people throughout the day or not spreading them throughout a the week it would be sad if we would just continue like all these new technologies and the new skills that we learned that they don't have a, have a short-term impact either. Yeah, I would be, no, I, I would be sad because of I, that.
1: I, but I'm, I'm, I think like you, I'm, I'm actually hopeful and I, and I am quite optimistic that there is going to be a societal shift in, mm-hmm. in and probably around the world, candidly, because this is really a, a global phenomenon. Right. Uh, so I, I'm quite hopeful on that. Interesting. I think probably two learnings. One is you know. Um, I think it's fair to say that you know even for a company like ourselves and we have had you know remote work and complete flexibility for the last ten years um you know I've had periods where I basically work from home three weeks in a row, no big deal, and I obviously travel too much to even you know make a distinction between office home uh, or or on the road but um even so, I think in the last couple of weeks the the level of productivity the level of intensity that people have demonstrated. Working virtually, if you will, yeah. I think has been has been tremendous. Um, and and I think on the flip side, you know, even a company with employees who probably have, you know, all have between I don't know five and ten years of experience with literally sort of this remote collaboration model. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I've learned is when you get to that level, one thing you you know we've always had is um, it's 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 always a bit harder to sort of maintain the balance between when you switch on and when you switch off. And obviously that drive to the office and that drive home, it used to be, it's sort of a natural moment to digest, process, Mm -hmm. shut your laptop and basically, you know, put work to the side. And when you work from home, that's a bit harder. And I'll be honest, look, I've got 10 years of experience in this. It is a bit, it is harder now because the intensity of virtual is, is so much higher. You have to really force yourself to, you know, also maintain that discipline and just make sure that you basically say, okay, enough's enough because you could literally be working 24/7. So even for, you know, for experienced people in this remote work, I think mm-hmm. this poses some some challenge and and we're very aware of that and we're working on, you know, we have mental health programs, physical health programs and yeah. we communicate a lot about that to our people.
0: Uh, one of the crazy things that I noticed in in my own life and experience now, I I sometimes have days that I'm just going from one virtual meeting to, to another, presenting webinars. I mean, everything is, is related to a screen that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm more tired than when I was just living in the real world. I, I think it's sometimes it's tiring me out that I'm just talking to a screen the entire day. Is that something that you hear from other people as well, or is it, is it just me?
1: Yeah, look, let me ask you a question. Though. I mean, I think, you know, I think you're probably one of the few people that I know who probably travel as, as much as I do. And, yeah. and so if you take it, if, you com- if you're comparing a full day on screen, you know, doing one after the other versus taking a plane, flying to Dublin, mm-hmm. you know, getting a taxi, doing a rehearsal, getting on stage, doing your speech, coming back, taking a plane back, et cetera, et cetera. Which one would you prefer, right? Yeah. i i you know i think obviously a full day on 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 the screen is hard but i think the travel must take a lot out of you as much as i know it does uh, take out of me as well
0: it's true yeah it's tiring and it it you know i i my experience is for the the, the thing that i miss most from the offline world is the energy transfer the uh-huh. energy that you get from people and that you can give to people is is more satisfying in the real world than, on, uh, than in digital meetings and events. But on the other hand, the, the efficiency is fantastic. Like yesterday, uh, I gave a, a webinar and we had close to 900 people that were following it live. And the the crazy thing is while I'm presenting, you don't get any feedback. I'm talking to a uh-huh. screen, and people are listening from their own houses. So so you don't know how it's how people are perceiving it. But then at the end, I, I suddenly see like a stream of feedback and and positive comments coming in from people who really enjoyed it in the in the chat function. And then you see feedback on social media. And then I thought, hey, this is this is really cool as well." And I really enjoyed that moment that I saw that hey, we, we can do something through a screen as well that, you know, a, a month ago, I would have thought that was impossible. And now I, I felt that. And that was, that was a, a unique and fun experience for me.
1: No, it's very true. I think, you know, it's an interesting anecdote because I would argue that you probably received more kudos and more feedback. Uh, either way, by the way, I'm sure people, some people had some questions or some criticism, but you probably received more of it because there was a medium to express it. Yeah, that's um, true. Then you would have received if you had sort of given one of your famous lectures and, you know, three people would have had the courage to walk up to you and the others would have just applauded and, you know, it would have been great. Yeah, so in true. a way, there is there's also a benefit there in terms of that. Yeah, you're
0: right. That. You're right. And and I didn't think of that before, even though I'm a huge fan of, of technology. So that was that was a fun experience. And um, yeah, I'm doing webinars now. Three, four times a week and and yeah the 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 feedback curve indeed is is larger, and you get more feedback from more people than in the real world. that's that's true, yeah, you're right, you're right. I didn't think about it that way, and but it's absolutely and the, appetite, true.
1: the the appetite for for webinars nowadays, I, I would say, I mean, I get plenty of invitations to to listen into webinars mm-hmm. but but even when we you know when we do virtual roundtables with uh, you know with customers across uh, the area that I cover. The sign-up rates are just are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level of people who participate is amazing, yeah. and all that because you know the alternative is they would have had to you know, schedule three hours, an hour to drive to some location mm-hmm. to listen to listen to you and a few other people, and then an hour to drive back, and just this this you know it, this instant uh, consumption, if you will, of contents. Really suits people. It, you know, we talk about snackable content, but yeah, we can, we can even do it for an hour because you know, if we can cut out the uh, the two hours in the car, it you know, it's yeah. relatively speaking, it's quite accessible. So I do yeah. think there's you know quite a bit of opportunity there.
0: There's 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 a large opportunity there, and it was fun. I saw pictures of people on uh, Instagram that were working out uh, at home while they were watching the webinar. So I thought this is so cool. They can they're doing their hobby, and instead of watching a new episode of, you know, uh, a Netflix show. They were w- watching my presentation and at the same time they were, they were running on their on their home running machine. It was really nice to see that. No, that's, 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 <laughs> that's you know,
1: that's encouraging. The other thing yeah. that I would say is I don't think I've ever watched as little Netflix as I have now. I don't <laughs> know about you. No, seriously. I mean... No, no, you, me too. Me too. I, there's something about... You know the the period that we're in and and what type of content you want to consume There's so much happening out there that is so I would say intellectually stimulating and challenging Mm -hmm. That I just don't find myself going sort of dumbing myself down with a nice easy to consume You know movie or or TV show that I would have downloaded and just watched on a plane to just you know wind my brain down so
0: yeah, the same, thing. Usage,
1: I have the same usage, thing usage patterns on netflix i think must be must be quite interesting
0: yeah well there i saw some statistics and and netflix is doing really really well a lot of people are watching it um but but i'm i'm like you i i cannot focus on a netflix show right now i'm always triggered to look into to other things so that's uh yeah that's that's interesting hey uh philippe if if we talk about customer experience um do you think that this crisis will change expectations of customers, that it will um, create new ways of interacting with, with customers? Do, do you see things happening in that field? Well, look, I think
1: uh, it's sad to say, but if you think about customers, customer experience, I think we're, we're literally you know, at a moment now where I think the first question is, you know, are they still going to be a customer? right so i think we need to acknowledge the fact that customer experience will also now extend to you know to what extent are you a critical supplier to their in some cases to their survival um yeah. and so i do i do think you know the the maslow pyramid is 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 coming back mm-hmm. um and and i do think a lot of a lot of customers whatever industry uh, you're in but a lot of you know a lot of your customers are going to be basically revisiting their priorities you know governments nowadays are canceling sort of midterm projects to basically save cash to you know to bail out companies or to support small medium businesses mm-hmm. um, other companies I think are going all out and giving you know free access to their tools or or trying to you know um uh try to get more eyeballs or trying to get, you know, people to consume what they have in an attempt, sort of a freemium model to see how you can later potentially lock a few of them in. But I think the first question is still, hey, can you look your customer base in the eye today? And can you say, I'm part of the solution here? Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, I, so I think it's, you know, a lot of, you know, what you've been writing about, talking about, tweeting about was obviously uh, sort of assuming this, um, you know, business business as usual, slow, steady evolution. I think for me, the first thing that's likely to happen is a massive shakeup, A, of the customer base and B, of where you sit on the Maslow pyramid. And I think how you deal with them today is what they will remember. Um, so I think essentially, I think of customer experience today as how much effort, what, else, what, can I, what, what can I sacrifice, if you will, in terms of sort of current resources to make sure that I'm on the right side of history when this, when this, thing, when this thing is over so that we can start rebuilding uh, for future plans.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you then also mean that, that companies should take their social responsibility more serious now? Is that, is that what you also mean?
1: You know, that's one way of framing it. But I, I basically think that, you know, beyond social responsibility, it's just it's common business sense. Okay. It, that that didn't used to be the case, but I think it now is in the sense that, look, I think you know consumers, but even small business and even big business today is is basically going to go through the list of spends, and they're all going to try to save money, and they're all going to figure out how they can, you know, how do they put money to the side to protect themselves from, from you know a future? Um, I know that Nassim Taleb famously said over the weekend that he hates. This crisis being referred to as a black swan because he believes it was actually a white swan, but we just didn't react to it. But I'll still yeah. use the black swan logic. So people mm-hmm. are going to people, people are going to basically try to protect themselves against the next shock. And so I, I think you know the mo- the more you can do today to think about uh, you know what what their what their um, uh, continuity can mean. Um, again, you can call it uh, social responsibility. You can call it uh, uh, you know, paying forward, right? So an investment, an investment in your future with them uh, mm-hmm. and, and in their future. So I think we're back to we're back to basics here. We're really back to basics, and and I mm-hmm. think whilst it's great to think about sort of customer experience when things go really well, I would really enc- and I encourage my teams also to think about you know when was the last time you called your key customers. Mm -hmm. and and will they remember you when this thing reopens are you going to be amongst you know one of the suppliers if you will whom they will think of fondly as having tried to help within obviously the 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 means that we have if that's the case you're on the right side of history and you're well set up Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think there's a redefinition of customer experience if you ask me
0: yeah well i agree i i I play with two two dimensions um talking about how can you become more a partner in life of customers, really understand their needs, understand the human behind the customer, knowing what their fears and their dreams are, and how can you facilitate uh, the dreams and and stop the fears as an organization towards your customer? That's one end. And the other end is more about how can you add value to the worries that people have about society? Can you add value now during the crisis by using your, your assets and your capabilities? And how can you maintain that philosophy um when when the the first part of the crisis is over
1: yeah i I like i like these very much i think building on building on the second one i think just as an example you know when was the last time i ever worried about the balance sheet of one of our customers Mm -hmm. or their or their cash and their debt situation never never Mm -hmm. nowadays you know you've got to look at Look, I've got I've got customers who have told me I can't call you cuz, you know, um I'm sick or we've got key decision makers are in hospital. So you're literally you, you know, you're thinking about the decision makers in the company as to your point, right? The the person behind the customer or you know, the the decision maker within the customer account. You're yeah. thinking about their financial situation, you're trying to understand what, you know, what government uh, decisions uh, or, you know, with banks you know how they're going to get dragged into this crisis to basically take on you know loans that might not get reimbursed et cetera. so you're you're thinking as they are and obviously not being a banker makes it a bit harder but thinking through hey what is their concern here and so yeah. you know how could we play can could we use our balance sheet can we use some of the technology that's there can we use access to uh, other resources i mean you've seen many companies like ourselves um, you know, some more vocal than others, but A, come together mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and align on, on approach, you know, closing early, sending people home, how to deal with a whole bunch of related challenges that we all have. And secondly, also put their supply chains, you know, to, to good use. So in, in a way, I think you're rethinking the role of a, of a, of a company anyway, and, and you're literally trying to figure out what access do I have as a societal, as a societal player that mm-hmm. I can put to good use?
0: yeah yeah exactly and i i I strongly believe in that philosophy playing the long-term game being there for customers and like you said going back to the basics and common sense and and making a difference for people and and for society one thing that i wonder about is like many companies are suffering right now many companies are closed uh right now the temptation to Um, fight back through hard price discounts will be huge. I can already see it now in, for instance, the airline business. They're selling completely below average airline tickets to to the US, to Asia and stuff like that, whereas not even a single person knows if we will be able to get on those flights. So I'm afraid we're going to see this very aggressive price uh, approach. Whereas you know, in in the long term, I'm not sure if this is the best philosophy. But I can understand that it's really tempting for organizations to you know recover some money in the in the short run and get some cash in in the bank. I mean, how how do you look at How do you look at that?
1: Uh, look, I'm 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 not a I'm not a marketing expert like you are. But essentially, I think you've got a you've got a bunch of different business models. And and obviously, if you have a fixed capacity like airlines do. You know, you're trying to do yield management as best as you can, and so basically, you know, any any euro you bring in is to help cost to help cover your 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 fixed cost is obviously, is obviously best. And you know, are they going to start at the bottom? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, trying to stimulate demand uh, and and trying to basically overcome people's fears of booking booking a trip. These are fully fully refundable fares. Um, I'm not sure this is a long game, but. But I can see why they would do it because they're all, yeah. you know, they've got this fixed capacity and they're all trying to get these same passengers on their own flights. Yeah. Then you've got other business models, sort of the, you know, the retailer business model who sits on a, on a summer collection of clothes. I mean, the, I you know, the, I think the real question is, what do you do? I mean, you know, I think, uh, do, you, do you try to, you know, to turn that into cash right now? And do you basically sell them? at cost or, or potentially even below cost, obviously, there's, you know, government regulations around solden and what have you, but uh, promotional periods. But I think there it's basically a matter of of cash flow and, and survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do think as you as you evolve, I think, you know, you've got you've got a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of different business situations. I don't expect, you know, car manufacturers, software suppliers. Uh, or or you know producers of of, of other goods to uh, to to change their pricing very much and then obviously at the other end of the spectrum we've obviously seen the price gauging if you're a producer of anything which is mission critical right now prices obviously go cool. through the roof yeah. valuations go through the roof and the question yeah. is how do you how do you sustain that like if you're you know that japanese mask producing company how do you how do you sustain you know your shareholder expectations there so yeah. I think we're gonna see a whole bunch of different approaches to finding ah, you know finding stability in, yeah. in the, the market. And I think governments are you know have a key role to play. Yeah. I mean this, this is a time when you need you know, you like your government until you don't, but I think now <laughs> is a time for governments to step up and do, you know, help us dampen the blow, help us put in regulation, help us, you know, stop short selling on the stock market. Uh, figure out what the right uh, periods are where you can discount to avoid effectively, uh, you know, a, a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is when, you know, this is when we're going to see how effective they can be, and this is what we need them for. And then of course they're going to print money and, and create stimulus packages. So I'm a yeah I'm a I'm a believer in 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 strong government now, and and I hope uh, we can. You know, maybe also as as Europeans, we can come together and also show the necessary level of inclusion and solidarity because we're so we have such interdependent economies that uh, unless we align amongst each other, I think it's going to be very, very hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That is a beautiful conclusion, Philippe. I, I would like to thank you for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I always love to listen to your knowledge and insights. So thank you very much for sharing that with us.
1: Thank you. Pleasure. And uh, all the best in your, uh, in your virtual ventures. Sure and <laughs> even, even in your business model, the opportunities are uh, endless. And I couldn't imagine a more creative guy than yourself to, uh, <laughs> pi- to pioneer the next one. So good luck. Uh, all right.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks, Steven.